0: I you to grab your uh, message outline inside your worship guide. Hopefully, you've got your Bible and, uh, or maybe your, your electronic device. We're going to be studying the Scriptures together. And we're beginning a brand new series today. And the series is called The Promise of Christmas. Now, my hope is to, during this series, remind you of some of the great promises of, that we get in this Advent season of the coming of the Christ. And so today, we're going to talk about hope and the power of hope and how hope operates in our world and inside of us. And each week we'll talk about a different promise of, of the uh, Christmas season. But let me just remind you as we begin that this is a season we call Advent. So it's, uh, that word literally means the coming. It's the idea of not only Christ coming into the world, but of us coming into this season expecting about what God's going to do inside of us. Now, in your notes, notice your notes. I don't have any fill-in-the-blanks. Normally, I'd give you fill-in-the-blanks, and I'd, I'd give you a bunch of different kind of uh, little points to circle here and there. I've left you some scriptures that we're going to read. I've got a few extras that couldn't fit on the outline, and I've, and I've uh, invited you to take some notes on your own, because my hope is that during this series, every Sunday, you're going to hear something that challenges you or maybe inspires you. Or maybe you'll learn, I think today you'll learn something maybe you didn't know, and I'd invite you to write down in those notes some things that maybe you're learning, maybe most importantly what God might be speaking to you over your life. So today we're going to be talking about hope. We're going to be talking about light. We're going to be talking about darkness. My uh, wife and I had a date night the other night. We went up to uh, a theater to go watch a movie. And when we arrived in the theater, one of the things that I love to do, a uh, matter of fact, she just kind of... Pays no attention to me. I have to go look at all the movie posters and see what's coming out. Uh, or any some of you other guys are like that, right? I want to know what's coming out. Because I don't watch a lot of TV and I don't see all the, the trailers on the TV all the time. And so I just journeyed down the hallways looking at the new movie posters. Well, one of the movies that's coming out, you could not miss it. You it was a huge display. It was probably eight feet long, sitting in the middle of the lobby, and not only was it a big, one of these huge productions, there was also this stormtrooper-looking guy standing right next to it, right? And the movie was called Rogue One. Now... You may or may not know about this movie coming out, and it's coming out on December the 22nd, and I'm not doing a commercial for it. I really am not, but I, want you to, I, want, I just want to remind you um, that oftentimes it, it, it is that Christmas, we're, we're now in this new season of Star Wars, and, and uh, those Star Wars came out a long time ago. Actually, the original 1977 Now, after 1977, we have a lot of different Star Wars movies that have come out. And I think it was even last Christmas that we were having The Force Awakens, right? The Force Awakens was coming out. Now, when I was a kid, the Star Wars movies were huge to me. I'm going to date myself. But I was born in 1970. Okay, okay, yes. I'm a kid for some of you, I know. I was, and some of you, I'm really old. Uh, I, I was born in 1970. And so when the original Star Wars came out, I was seven years old. And this guy on the screen called Luke Skywalker, I thought, looked a little bit like me. So I, I thought, wow, you know, here's a character that I can really identify with. Now, listen. At Christmases and birthdays, it didn't matter whatever else I got. I was asking for Star Wars stuff. I had all the little figurines. I had the Death Star. I had the, the, uh, the different ships that they, they, they flew. I had a lot of Star Wars stuff. And, and what was interesting about this movie was it kind of captured America. I mean, you had this, this light force, this, this, these, these good folks who they were called the the rebellion, they were called the Jedis, who were battling battling against the dark forces, the evil empire, so to speak. And it was good versus evil, light versus darkness. It was the evil empire, the dark side, right, versus the force, right? And and I decided today that what what a better kind of metaphor to dive off with in Christmas than to think about what it is in those kind of movies when we look at darkness versus light, evil versus good, it kind of captures us. And I want to talk about that in respect to the world we live in. But before I do that, let me just kind of share the trailer for Rogue One, which is coming out in the, in the month of December, to just kind of remind you what these movies are and how they kind of attract us. All right? The world is coming undone. Imperial flags rain across the galaxy. Can you be trusted without your shackles? Let's just get this over with, shall we? We've a mission for you. A major weapons test is imminent. We need to know how to destroy it. If you're really doing this, I want to help. Good. I've been recruiting for the Rebellion for a long time. We destroyed our home. I fight the Empire now. I fear nothing. All is as the Force wills it. The Captain says you are a friend. I will not kill you. Thanks. Every day they grow stronger. There is a ninety seven point six per cent chance of failure. He means well. This is our. Chance. Are you with me? All the way. Wow, right? Now I know some of you guys are probably not huge Star Wars fans, but what I think is incredible about these stories, what what attracts us to it, is the battle that goes on between good and evil, but not just the the external battle that's happening in the in the in the global cosmos of the Star Wars story. But what attracts us so much about Star Wars is there's always an internal battle, right? Even between the folks who are the good people, the folks that have the Force, there is this chance that they're going to give in to the dark side, right? And there's this. Kind of thing going on, even in their own story, will they will they give in or will they triumph in the light? Now I want you to think about this. Every Christmas, for some of you, you've already done this, but for my family, we are going to do it in just the next week. You decorate your house, you put up your Christmas tree, and you put lights on your tree. You put lights all around the house, and that those lights represent the light coming into the world. Jesus coming to the world for us. On December the 24th, we'll have our Christmas Eve candlelight communion service here. It's an awesome time. It's a very holy time. It's a service unlike any other service the rest of the year. And we will sing Christmas carols and, and we will hear the word preached and, and there will come a moment right at the very end where we turn everything dark. Everything will go black. All Even, even the Christmas trees that are lit in this room, everything will go dark And then one singular candle will come into the room, and it reminds us that the light has come into the world. Now, in order to really appreciate the light, and we're going to talk about the light a lot during this Christmas season, you need to understand the darkness. So let's start there. Darkness in the scriptures, darkness. In the scriptures, normally, darkness is represented in two different ways, and we're going to talk about both this morning. The first way that darkness is represented is, is this evil, okay? And when, we mean, when we say evil, what do you mean by that? We mean the hurt, the pain that we do to one another. Evil is that, that bad side that even sometimes as a society, we start drifting towards, even as cultures, we start doing harm to one another, even in societies. And so that, the first understanding and first kind of metaphor that we see in Scripture about darkness is that of evil. But a second way that darkness presents itself in the scriptures is with this understanding of gloom or despair or despondency. You know, we feel that sometimes at Christmas, right? When somebody experiences a hardship right in the middle of a holiday season and their heart is heavy and their world is broken and they are crying out for God's light in the middle of their own personal darkness, in the middle of their own gloom or their own despair. So we're going to talk about both those forms of darkness as they they present themselves in our world. But the first one, let's talk about that first, okay? Evil. Evil. Evil, this thing that we do to one another, this thing that is around us all the time. Uh, And and where do we see evil? Let's bring it real home, real close to home, real real quickly, okay? Here in Henry County, I mean, just a little while ago, a, a quadruple homicide in Locust Grove, right here where our church is? I mean, thats it shocked every one of us, right? When we heard of a quadruple homicide, when we heard of the the terrible pain that was inflicted on these families because of the hate, because of the malice. How about nationally? I mean, recently we've been reading about four police officers murdered in four different cities. And every one of us sits back and goes, what is wrong with our country? We look at the evil that is being perpetrated and we think to ourselves, this makes no sense. But we know it to be evil. We know it to be darkness. We know it, we call it for what it is. And we could go on and on and on for the evil that we see in our world. But, but it's one thing to, for it to be out there and it's another thing for that darkness to be really hitting close to home. So let's think about that for a minute. When you have some hate in your heart, or when you have unforgiveness, when someone's wounded you, when you just can't get over something, when when it's right inside of you, when you have darkness inside of you and you can't get over it and you're longing for the light even inside of you, that's what we're talking about when we talk about The light that can overcome the darkness, but sometimes the darkness, it seems, so very, very strong. Now, sometimes when we talk about darkness, we need to understand that when it comes to this evil thing, societies even function together, cultures, communities start to function in this evil together. That's why there is such a thing as Boko Haram. Have you heard of that group, right? That's why there is such a thing as Al-Qaeda. There is such a thing as ISIS. These groups of people come together and they begin to perpetrate evil together on planes in cities like Paris. They begin to do horrific acts of evil for their own purposes and and we see it globally. It's not science fiction. It's not out there somewhere. It can be right here close to us. It can be right here inside of us. And by the way, you want to go back to Scripture and remember where darkness is found? You don't have to even go too far in the book of Genesis. Before you get to Genesis chapter 6, Cain killing Abel, one brother killing another, humans being harmful to one another. And you you begin to say, wow, why can humans be so violent to one another? This morning in in your outline, I wanted to begin with a classic Christmas Scripture the book of Isaiah chapter nine. If you have that, I invite you to turn with me there in your outline, or maybe you've got your Bible. And together, we're gonna read that scripture as as an Old Testament prophecy, the first scripture that I wanna read heading into this new series and pointing us towards Christmas. It's a scripture that you've probably heard before and that you probably know quite well. But we're gonna think about how light and darkness fit even into the prophecies. So listen to this, Isaiah chapter nine, beginning in verse one. The, The prophet Isaiah said this, this is from God's word, right? God speaks this over the prophet. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom to those who were in distress. In the past, He humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, He will honor Galilee of the nations, by the way, of the sea, beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Now, you know, normally when we read that scripture, most of us, if not all of us, begin to think about Jesus. We think about Jesus being the light that is dawning to overcome the darkness. Even when we hear those words, Galilee, we think about Jesus because that's where Jesus came. And by the way, in a a very real sense, that prophecy is completely tied to Jesus. But what I want to help you understand is that in Isaiah's day, he would have understood that prophecy totally different. And so let me help you understand that a little bit. Isaiah lived in 740 B.C., almost 750 years before Jesus ever came. And in Isaiah's world, he lived in the area of Jerusalem in what we call present-day Judea. But what Isaiah was crying out as a prophet was simply a a two-tiered message. He was inviting folks. We must have a map up behind me. (laughs) It's not time for that yet. Um, He was inviting folks to... Understand that they had a choice. You can turn to God. You can turn to Him and do right by one another. You can love justice. You can love mercy. You can treat people the way God wants you to treat people, and God will bless you. Or you can do harm to others. You can hurt people. You cannot revere God's God's presence among one another. And if you do harm to one another, what God's going to do is he's going to withdraw from you. He's going to pull away. He will not protect you. Now, in in Isaiah's day, there was a nation called Assyria who was bearing down on Israel. They were an expanding nation. They were a militant nation. And, And Isaiah would have seen this prophecy as a, a word that God was going to rescue Israel from this this neighboring nation who was about to try to take them over, if God doesn 't stand up for us right now, if we don 't get our hearts together, He will not protect us but if if He will protect us, we can withstand any evil empire, any evil nation that is coming against us. Now, the Assyrians were just the one of many first of many, but the Assyrians were a a great empire of the ancient world. They existed for 1,900 years. Now think about that for a minute. How old is America, all right? Now if you can think about how old America is, now you have a a little glimpse of how long 1,900 years is. The Assyrians were an empire for 1,900 years. They existed longer than the Roman Empire. The Assyrians were a great empire of the ancient world. Now, they existed in modern-day Iraq, where Iraq is today. That's right where they were, but they were an expanding nation. Sometimes they were good, sometimes they were evil. Sometimes they were weak, sometimes they were strong. But as during Isaiah's life in 740 BC, the Assyrians were experiencing a resurgence, a resurgence economically, a resurgence militarily, and they were expanding their empire, and they were starting to take over great parts of the world. So let me show you that on a map. You'll see, you'll see Assyria over here, kind of in the middle of the map. You see that big word, Assyria. And Assyria was moving westerly. And you, Israel lies over here in that area of Tyre and Samaria. And, and some of those red dates that you see up there were the way that Assyria was beginning to take over new parts of the world. And so if you'll see Damascus, they took over the northern part of Israel, began to take over the, what, what was what was called the northern kingdom. And even as as Early as 722, they had taken over the northern part of the kingdom. What does that mean? That means that they had come in, they had conquered. Some of the people that were there, they had taken back to their homeland of Assyria. They had intermarried. They had changed their names. They had changed their culture. They wouldn't let them speak their language. They had dominated the northern kingdoms of Israel. By the way, Isaiah is in the southern part of Israel. And he is... the the Assyrians have already taken over right the the northern part of Israel. and, And Isaiah is is worried, he's concerned that God's protection is off of the southern kingdom of Israel. And notice this, just just a few years later, from 1722 to 701, in 701, Assyria would take over even the southern kingdom of of Israel because the people would not listen to the prophetic word of Isaiah. This was happening in Isaiah's life. Let me read a scripture to you real quickly. You can find it in 2 Kings 15, 29. We read this scripture. It tells us about how the Assyrians took over Jerusalem. In 2 Kings 15, 29, it says this. In the time of, the time of Pekah, king of Israel, Tiglath-Pileazar, king of Assyria, came and took Ajon, abel beth Genoa, Kadesh, and Hazor. He took Gilead, and he took Galilee, including all the land of Natali. And he deported the people to Assyria. You see, Israel was under siege during the life of Isaiah, and when Isaiah, uh, he, he gives that word, he gives that word in a period of great gloom and darkness, and he's crying out for the light. Can I read that scripture to you again? And I want you to hear it in light of now what you know about what is happening during Isaiah's life. Listen to it one more time. I'm going to read it from the very beginning, but then I'm going to add a few scriptures just a little bit later that only when we hear them, we can only think of Christmas, okay? So hear them from Isaiah's world. Isaiah 9, 1 and 2. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light, and on those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And picking up in verse 6, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. You see, for Isaiah, in that moment of deep darkness, as they were praying for the light to overcome the darkness the people would have interpreted that, that, prophes- that prophecy to have been fulfilled not by Jesus coming 700 to 800 years later. As a matter of fact, if you had asked them just a few years later after, after they had been conquered by the Assyrians, who is that person spoken of in the, in the Scriptures? They would have said, that is Hezekiah. Hezekiah was the one who came. And God did send a mighty man of God to be a reformer for Israel, to bring Israel back to his heart. And so they would have known that in their time of darkness, a light did appear, and that light was a reformer named Hezekiah. They interpreted the scriptures, the prophecies, out of their own time. How would God defeat the darkness today? Not 800 years from now, today. How will the light triumph over the darkness today? And here's what you need to know. Over and over again, God triumphs over the darkness with light. Over and over again, God sees the evil and the wicked, and He triumphs it over. He triumphs over it with good. 586 BC. The Babylonians now have already defeated the, the Assyrian empire. The Assyrian empire crumbled after the Babylonians took them over. But the Babylonians aren't happy with just taking over the Assyrian empire, so what do they do? They come down and, and reestablish power over Israel. And the people go back. What do they do? It makes sense. They go back and they read Isaiah chapter nine. Two hundred years later, they read Isaiah chapter nine. What does it mean? God says He will bring light that we will we will not be suffering in our gloom and darkness anymore. And what happens over and over again? God sends somebody to them, and they would have understood. And that's exactly what happened. God sent a light into that darkness. This happened again with the Greeks when Israel was. Was dominated by the Greeks, even in the time of Christ, the, the Syrians and then the Romans, over and over again. And they would go back to the scripture and they would read the scripture and they would say, In the light of my, in, 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 the, in the perspective of my own darkness today, how will God send light? How will God triumph over it? And by the way, when Matthew, who, after Jesus' life, when Matthew goes back and he, he reads Isaiah's prophecy, he's the one who sits back and says, That was Jesus. Jesus has triumphed. Over the darkness, he is the light that has come into the world. Am I making any sense to you? I hope that you're understanding that over and over again, we, we read the scriptures and we get the promise that darkness will not have the last word. That gloom will not win the day forever. That light will come and God will send light to conquer the darkness. By the way, how cool is this? For Israel, which is there today, right? All of those old ancient civilizations are gone. There is no Assyria anymore. There is no Babylon. All of them are gone, right? It's amazing that every one of those evil empires fell and God conquered with light. What's the message we get out of that? Darkness may reign for a while, but light must Ultimately, defeat the darkness. That's why at Christmas Eve, we will will have worship, and it'll be awesome worship, and we will have a moment of preached word, and then we'll turn it dark. And then that single candle will come in from the back of the room and walk right up the center aisle. And that singular candle reminds us of the light that overcomes the darkness. And you know, I like to think of it this way. The folks that are closest to the front here, they actually are, they're they're experiencing a little bit of that overflow of that candlelight. But the folks who are on the edge of the room, they're experiencing the darkest side of the room. And it just reminds us how the light is going to overtake, take the darkness when all of a sudden we begin to take that light and spread that light out candle by candle until the entire room is filled with the light because One light passed to another, passed to another, passed to another. You see that scripture in your outline that I gave to you this morning? It reminds me of John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through Him all things were made. And Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. Guys, this is our story. This is our story. This is what Christmas is really all about. That light comes into a world of darkness. But more than that, that light comes into us. And then we get to take the light out into the world. A dark world where we try to be the light of Christ to the world. So how does that work? Light and darkness, and even sometimes the light in us, and sometimes the darkness in us. I don't have it in your outline today, but I wanted to read it to you. First John chapter one, verses five and seven. John was speaking about that light in us and that darkness in us. First John, chapter 1, five, uh, five through7. John wrote these words: "This is the message we have heard from him, and we declare to you, God is light in him." There is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. And even 1 John chapter 2, verse 9, anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother is still in The darkness. The the scripture has a lot to say about how this light thing and this dark thing work even in us. And by the way, I think that's why I love Star Wars so much. I'm sitting there seeing and thinking about how the light and the darkness are working to counteract one another, and how in every one of those movies, the light will dominate over the darkness, even inside of the main characters that are there. And we get that question over and over again, you know? Are you, are you gonna give in to the dark side? Are you gonna walk in the light? Are you gonna use the force? So real quickly, let's watch this classic scene that I bet everybody in this place remembers, right? When Darth, dad, right? Darth, dad, is fighting Luke. You couldn't bring yourself to kill me before and I don't believe you'll destroy me now. You underestimate the power of the dark side. If you will not fight, then you will meet your destiny. Friends. Yes. Your thoughts betray you. Your feelings for them are strong. Especially for sister. So you have a twin sister. Your feelings have now betrayed her too. Obi Wan was wise to hide her from me. Now his failure is complete. If you will not turn to the dark side, then perhaps she will. watching Star Wars? (laughs) You never thought you'd be watching Star Wars at Christmas, did you? You know, uh, I I meant to show that clip a little bit further when Luke pulls in his lightsaber. And basically, he says at that moment, I will not destroy my father. He was basically saying, "I, I will not let the dark side come into me. I will not give in to the dark side. I cannot give in. You know, isn't that our struggle, I mean, as well, right? I cannot cannot give in to hate. I I cannot give in in to indifference. I cannot give in to fear. I cannot give in to doubt. And it's asking for that, that light to triumph over the darkness outside of you and even inside of you as well. So we're talking about evil, right? Let's talk about that second metaphor of darkness, and that's that idea of gloom or despair, despondency. Uh, That's the idea of of these moments when life gets really hard and difficult and we begin to struggle with the next step and we don't even know the next place in front of us and we wonder if we can keep going. It's that place where you start to feel like there is no hope, right? Because that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about hope. And when you really have deep depression and despondency inside of you, you begin to wonder, where is God? Why don't I feel God? Why don't I feel his light inside of me? Why don't I just feel consumed and overcome by the darkness? And it's in those moments we read in the scriptures, we, we hear over and over again that you, you've got to reach out, that you've got to trust him, that even in those moments of those, those darkest, what one theologian called the dark night of the soul, in those moments of your own dark night of your own soul, when God feels so far away, that you reach out and you trust that he is still here. And that light still can overcome the darkness. This is what David talked about when he he was writing Psalm 23. And he said those words. I put them in your outline there today. He said in Psalm 23, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. He says the shadow of death can overcome me. The fear of evil, I will not give in to that. Why? Even in the darkest valley? because you are with me. That even in that moment of our darkest night of the soul, that God is still there. By the way, isn't that a phenomenal reminder this Christmas season? That God is with us. No matter what we go through, no matter how dark life may get, that God, Emmanuel, is with us. We'll talk a lot about that, even more about that in the coming weeks. But I remember Jesus Jesus hanging on the cross, you remember that? And him crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That was Jesus' dark night of the soul. And even in that moment when he, when he quoted that psalm, that's what he was doing on the cross. He was quoting a psalm. He was crying out and trusting that his father was with him even in his own dark moment. And what do we see in Jesus' story? We see Jesus' ministry. We see Jesus' miracles. We see Jesus' teachings. But we come to the very end and it looks like darkness is going to win the day that even as Jesus hangs on the cross and he's, even as he dies and they put him in a tomb, it seems like darkness is won. It seems like hope has been lost. But then where do we arise? Resurrection, right? That's where we get. So no matter how, dark your circumstance, Jesus is the light of the world. No matter how dark your world gets, Jesus will conquer the darkness with light. Now, can I share some good news with you? Here's what I've noticed. I've noticed that even in my darkest moments, even in the moments where I have my own dark night of the soul that there are some other folks who have come alongside me and helped me in the, those moments. That God has sent them with his light inside of them to meet me in those moments and to give me hope. And by the way, if you're in one of those dark nights of the soul, you're in a very good place because you're surrounded by other people who want to remind you of hope, that Jesus is the hope of the world, and to trust in the light, even when you're in experiencing your own personal darkness. And here's some more good news. Guess what? You are the light of the world. I thought you said Jesus was the light of the world. Yeah, I did. I did. I said Jesus was the light of the world. And you're the light of the world, too. We're going to read a couple of scriptures in just a second that are going to show that to us. But you are the light that takes light to others in the middle of their darkest night of the soul. You're the one who carries the light. Look at these two scriptures with me real quickly. When Jesus, uh, John eight twelve. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. One of the classic seven I am statements in the Gospel of John. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That's a promise, right? But look at that next scripture. It says in Matthew 5:14, Jesus said these words, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. That they may see your good works, your good deeds, and glorify your Father in heaven. So Jesus is the light of the world. Anyone who follows him will not walk in darkness. And we are the light of the world. Is it really both of them? Absolutely. It's both. Jesus is the light, he's putting his light inside of us, and he's sending us out into the world. By the way, when Jesus said, you are the light of the world, right there in that Matthew passage, it was plural, wasn't singular, it was plural. You are the light of the world. He was giving them a message. I was recently reminded of that just a couple of weeks ago with all those Operation Christmas Child boxes here on the front of our platform. I don't know, somebody sent me a final number like that, 286 or something like that, 279, an amazing, you know what you are? With every one of those boxes, you are the light of the world, sending the light into other places where you don't even know where it may go. You know, some folks in our church came to me a few weeks ago and they said, hey, listen, is there somebody who doesn't have Thanksgiving? We're just pulling together other people in our church who, who just, we want to all be together. Some, fa- some of us have family far away. We're going to gather together. And I thought to myself, that's going to be a house filled with light because these people are loving on one another. And You know, during this season, this is a season of, of great joy and blessedness, right? But it's also a season of deep need. I mean, people have deep financial needs, food needs. Medical needs, utility needs, and it is always the case that during the season, I see people like you being the light to people who are in need, taking the light into their dark moment, into their dark night of the soul, where they don't have all their needs met to themselves, and you are ministering to them in those moments. This is the plan of Jesus, right? Wow, what? What? This is the strategy of Jesus, that he would come as the light into the world and that his followers would be filled with light and that they would go into the world filled with darkness and they would take his light into the world. So here's my question for you today, and it's quite a simple question, but I hope that you'll dig deep to try to understand the answer to the question for yourself, because only you can answer this question. It's a very personal question. Here's the question I want to ask of you. Is the world brighter and more filled with light because you are here? Is the world brighter and more filled, or is the world actually just a darker place? Is the world a place that's not as bright because of you and how you live? This is what I want you to hear, this first message of this new series, The Promise of Christmas. That one of the promises is hope. The hope that the light would always overcome the darkness. And that darkness would never have the final word. And the hope of Christ is you being his light wherever you go. That you would accept his light. That you would live in his light. Remember what he said? Those who walk in my light don't walk in darkness. That you would live in his light. And that you would carry his light into the world. This is the hope of the gospel. When I was a little boy, grade school, VBS, I learned a little song. And I wanted to close with that song today. And I bet some of you remember that song. It, was, uh, it had various versions, various stanzas, but it went something like this. And you'd hold your finger up. Will everybody do this for me real quick just hold your finger up? This little light of mine. Remember that little song? I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. You Remember that? Am I? Did, did most of us learn this when we were young? Some of you are going, I've never heard that song in my life. But most of us have heard that song before. And then there was another little version. This was my favorite one. It was... Won't let Satan it out. I'm going to let it shine. You remember that? Did y'all did, Won't let Satan it out. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. My prayer for you this Christmas season is that you would be filled with light. And that the hope of the world, the light of Christ would shine in you richly. And that you would boldly Take that light everywhere you go and represent Jesus. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you that in you is hope. And I know somebody here today is in the darkest night of their soul. But they came to church today here today to be remembered, to be reminded on this first Sunday of Christmas that you are the light of the world. And that they can trust you and they can reach out for you even in their darkest moment and that you will be with them. And that darkness and evil will never have the final word. That you will always triumph over evil and darkness and hatred. You will win the day. And Father, we're here today for a reason. You've called us to be the light. And you've called us to live in a world and make it a brighter place to make it a place where Christ walks and his word is spoken and a place that gives hope everywhere we go. So this week, I pray, Lord, that you would, you would shine brightly in us. Help us to walk in you, Jesus. Help us to walk in your teachings, to walk in your light every day, to get up in the morning and meet with you and talk with you and to, to walk and experience your light. And then as we journey through the light and as we experience darkness, just to spread light, to speak your word. To speak a word of encouragement, a word of hope, a, a word and the meaning of truth and life to somebody else. Lord, we want your word to flow through us. We want your light to shine from us. So Lord, I pray for our homes and I pray for our workplaces. I pray for our families. I pray for our friends. I pray for our neighborhoods. I pray, Lord, you'd make them more filled with light because of us. Help us to shine brightly, Jesus. And let us not ever be overcome with darkness but let your good, your light flow in us. May it be so in the strong and mighty name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Hey, church, would you stand with me?